0: My family came to America as refugees from Vietnam because my father had a bounty on his head by the communist government. So, generally speaking, my kind of people only go into the woods if we're being shot at. I'm Ivy Lee with one E, and this is FOGO, Fear of Going Outside. FOGO is a nature show with the most reluctant host ever. Which isn't saying much because most nature shows are hosted by reckless white men. I'm obsessed with those nature shows, but they never ask the questions as indoor people want to know. What's the difference between hiking and walking? Why do people ride their bikes cross-country when they can just drive? What do you do with your doo-doo? And why is that okay? I mean, plumbing is one of the greatest achievements of our species. Well, I'm gonna ask those questions. This season, I am going to attempt everything it takes to literally go camping. I'm recording every step, figuring out where to go, what to pack, learning what plants and animals to avoid, and hopefully the part where I come home in one piece too. I venture to find out what's so great about the outdoors so you don't have to. Today's episode, searching for a search term. decided i'm gonna figure out how to go camping from square one because that's where i'm at no matter what it takes i will do it all to go camping by the sheer force of my will but already already the internet has failed me i try to find a nature store so i could just do like at sephora just go find a cast member to give me whatever the granola version of a makeover is tell me what to buy and how to use it But when I Google nature store, the results are all groceries, but not like regular groceries. Groceries that sell really confusing things like vegan eggs and sugar-free cookies, you know? Searching survival place turns up nothing in Texas, which is shocking, really. And searching how to pretend to be homeless makes me feel like a disgusting person. I don't even know what search terms to use at this point. I'm a a writer who can't find the words to help herself, which is terrifying. But then I get an email which gives me an idea for a different approach. It's an invitation to do metal goat yoga. They go out into a field where goats live They just walk into this pasture, which the goats consider their home, and lay down their mats and do their poses. And when the goats jump on them, which is their right, stand their ground, the yoga players, what do you call them, Yu-Gi-Oh's? They just snap pictures like they're on a spring break mission trip. Goats are an accessory to these people. Goats are a taco to me. So how did I get this email? I had just been to a bachelorette party with someone who, turns out, is a metalhead who exercises with farm animals. My parents and aunts and uncles, really immigrants ad infinitum long before my family got here in 1980, have relied on their diverse social networks to rebuild their lives in America. But even they didn't know anybody who exercises with farm animals. Thanks to their sacrifices, I have an even bigger, more diverse community to turn to. So I'm not just going to sit here in my closet studio feeling sorry for myself. I'm going to go out and find answers. (laughs) I didn't grow up around nature. I used to tell a story about going crawdad fishing in a creek growing up. But in college, some friends took me to a real creek and I learned that mine was a sewer. It feels overwhelming to figure it all out from zero. But if I don't go now, I might never get the chance.
1: Confusion at the border, as climate refugees from Central America clamor to switch places with climate refugees fleeing Texas.
2: The NPS announced Friday that Glacier National Park is changing its name to
0: Aqua Venture Splash World. Find out how that impacts your family.
3: Groundhog
1: milk is now America's favorite dairy replacement. Causing an uprising led by
2: Poxitone Phil.
0: There are entire geological structures that are going underwater or going up in flames. Like California. It's not that I want to go outside. I just don't want to miss out before I die. My FOMO is in direct conflict with my FOGO. But I don't know where to start. So I go over to my best friend's place to talk about it.
3: My name is Hale Shepard. I'm uh, a writer in Austin.
0: Hale is actually my best white friend. My best friend is Asian, obviously. You'll meet her later. Hale has had a relative serving in every American war since the Revolution. He went to an Episcopalian high school and thinks onions have too much texture. I don't really think he knows anything about the outdoors. He and I spent our reckless youth sneaking out to raves and getting in bar fights together. I understand intellectually that just because he's white doesn't automatically mean he knows someone who's been camping. I ask him the way hipster friends ask me. Where do you like to eat pho? You know, just in case. Have you ever been camping?
3: Uh, yes. My, my family were not necessarily campers. We went on hunting and fishing trips where we stayed at a clubhouse. And then there was a, a yearly, twice yearly school camping trip at my high school where we would go out in the wilderness and do all the, the tents and campfires and roasting marshmallows, the whole nine yards. And I also went to summer camp. We learned stuff like uh, horseback riding and archery, uh, riflery, all kinds of handy outdoorsy skills that I haven't used in a very long time.
0: I am overwhelmed with how relevant you are. To
3: me. <laughs> <laughs> you I, didn't think I was this relevant? <laughs> no,
0: I thought you were going to give me like a couple hints, maybe refer me to a friend who actually knew, but ultimately be like, look, Ivy, not all white people know this. <laughs> I also grew up in extru- in the same extremely urban setting that you grew up in in dallas texas uh i've only done archery fishing, <laughs> hunting and roasted marshmallows but like i'm really not in the big scheme of things like that much of a camper and i i, I cannot believe how, <laughs> I believe how how what a turn this has taken <laughs> so i need to come clean about something right here i don't want to sound racist i mean obviously one of my best friends is white We have a white person who works on this show, and she is so hardworking, Uh, beautiful eyes, but also like that person who does goat yoga. I didn't want to say it, but she's white. The only people who ever asked me to go skiing with them, white. Why does snow? It's hard to check your own implicit bias, which I sincerely believe it's worth the effort to try. But what's a millennial supposed to do when you find out a racial stereotype is kind of true?
3: I guess that's the other thing. Uh, I guess that's kind of where the whiteness comes into play is that in the social circles that I grew up in, like, I am not a well-versed outdoorsman compared to a lot of the other white kids I grew up with. Like... I, I knew the bare minimum, and I didn't even really want to engage with it that much because I did grow up in an urban setting, which I much preferred to the outdoors. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so even though you have the same preferences that I do, you were basically f- forced to do this thing because of culture?
3: <laughs> yeah, basically. I, I just had my father and all the other adults that worked in the summer camp industrial complex Uh All gave me the impression that this was all, you know, basic knowledge that every adult had.
0: Well, holy crap, I feel really intimidated now.
3: (laughs) Well, don't, because I'm I'm also at a very far remove. Like, I doubt I've used any of those skills in, like, 20 years. Like, if I had to, I could fumble through it, but you probably wouldn't want me to teach you.
0: Ugh! Hale and I have been there for each other a lot over the years. He saved my life once from half a world away. I got so sick in Vietnam, I passed out mid-step. My dad went to get help, but nothing was open but a pharmacy. My dad was wearing dad sneakers, the Nike Monarchs, cargo shorts, and his sunglasses were on a string. The pharmacist could plainly see that my dad is an American now with dollars in his pocket and sold him a party platter of pills. Some that might help me, but most were just guesses. I couldn't take them all. I had a choice to make. I chose to take the black tablet because of Hale. I suspected it was charcoal because I remember when Hale had had his own party platter of pills. And he took them all, so the hospital pumped his stomach with charcoal. I'll never forget the fear I felt, fear of losing my best white friend. Our friendship saved my life that day, but today, today, Hale is not helping. He's telling me that knowing as much as he knows isn't much at all, and he's not going to teach me, and that people who do know a lot about the outdoors have been training since childhood, like in Sparta!
3: So the, the summer camp I went to, uh, well, one of them. Um,
0: <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, okay.
3: so many, so many. <laughs> so many useless extracurricular activities. That's, that's what being a white child is all about. So uh, I went to the summer camp. It was a two-week sleepaway camp in, um, I think it was Arkansas. And I signed up for the survival course. We went out in the woods uh, with minimal supplies and so as night falls we're out there and i'm trying to pretty much all of us at that point we were i was like maybe 12 we were all trying to build baby's first fire by rubbing sticks together and uh and it was not going well even though we were following the instructions exactly as they had been given to us it's just one of those things that you don't really know how to do it until you've done it and that that crucial part where it happens was the part that was missing, <laughs> so, and we could actually hear the coyotes in the distance, like getting closer as the sun went down. You know, we, we'd been hearing animal calls of all kinds the whole time we were out there hiking because we were we were on their turf, mm-hmm. but it all. It sounded distant, like, you know, the the backdrop to a movie soundtrack or something. But as we were sitting there trying to make that fire and, like, nobody was talking because we were all concentrated on making the fire and how pissed off we were that the fire wasn't getting started. And, and you don't notice that, like, all the other animals go quiet as the sun goes down until finally you're, like, you're not even hearing the birds anymore. And then you, hear, you start to hear the owls hooting and you hear a coyote howl not that far away from your camp and you're like, oh my god, I gotta finish this fucking fire.
0: You know, as you tell this story I can hear the ambulance sirens in the background. <laughs> and, I, and I have never been so comforted by the sounds of, of first responders in a city before. <sighs>
2: yep,
3: coming to save you from the coyotes.
0: Well, this, dear listeners, is what us writer types call foreshadowing. (laughs) Was that sound design too disturbing? The first time I heard those coyote howls, I thought I heard screaming children. (laughs) Mariah, focus producer, and I debated whether to do like they do in the movies and use the sound of wolves instead turns out coyotes and wolves are completely different animals. Who knew? But this is a nature show, so you're going to get authentic blood-curdling coyote barks, yips, and howls because coyotes are in almost every North American city and suburb now. Coming up on FOGO, I leave Hale and continue my quest for someone with actual
1: advice.
2: I mean, I was always very conscious. Like, there's gators, you gotta watch out.
1: They, They tell you to be cautious, you know, if you're gonna decide to hike or camp there and... Make sure you have some um, bear mace with you. I can't believe I'm going camping when I just made a
0: pillow fort in the living room. I feel like that should be enough. Hale had a lot of camping experience as a kid... But he's obviously never planned a camping trip on his own and doesn't intend to. It was just a part of his culture. So if I'm going to plan a camping excursion myself, like a grown ass woman, I should ask a self taught camper. Camper is a kind of car, isn't it? Camp goer? Camp goer? Camper by? Just someone who learned how to do it because they actually wanted to.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm addicted to the energy of, like, you know, being social and stuff like that. But there are times when it's great to just be by yourself. And, like, I feel like that is kind of, like, the impetus that drove me to nature. Like, it's just nice to only have to worry about you and mosquitoes.
0: That's photographer David Polgar. He's... Kind of an extreme extrovert, so this surprises me a little. But it bodes well for my quest for, at minimum, a usable search term. David found me on MySpace. MySpace profiles, for those of you born in this century, were completely public. And you had to use your headphones if you were goofing off on MySpace at work because you never knew what profile song was going to play when someone's page loaded. I do not have time to explain the experience that was MySpace profiles in this episode, nor do I wish to revisit the drama of your top eight. The point is, David is always actively trying to meet new people. He needs it so much, he drove through a storm that was flooding roads to meet up the first time at a party I was throwing. It turns out, he's not afraid of storms because he's from Florida, y'all. In Florida, nature comes to you.
2: Hurricane Andrew, my, my, my welcome to Florida. I was a wee lad, (laughs) just uh, moved to Florida, Miami, Florida, from North Bergen, New Jersey. And um, I remember the storm coming and my dad being the kwanazo that he is. So we didn't have hurricane shutters. My dad, like, inflated these, like, little, like, rafts that he would take to the beach and just, like, float on. Mm -hmm. And he put uh, both of those on the windows of the the master bedroom, and we all slept in there. And uh, that... At the beginning of the storm, before the storm came, I had taken all my favorite toys and put them in a backpack. And that was like my thing. I was like, if the roof flies off of this house, I'm running out with my favorite toys in my bag. And um, that was kind of like the start. I didn't realize until I was much older that that's called a bug out bag.
0: <laughs> <laughs> One of the first things I noticed about David is he's always carrying a bug out bag. Even if we were out at a club on a Saturday night. And maybe I knew it was a little weird to be carrying around rope in a wound kit at all times. But I get it. I knew about his parents coming from Cuba and the hurricane. And I do stuff on that low level of weird, too. A lot of children of immigrants do. I have a mental bug out bag I carry with me at all times, which some might call emotional baggage. I'm always thinking about the worst case scenario. And so is he. But what I didn't understand was when he moved back to Florida, how much camping he started doing. When we all migrated to Facebook, he'd post things like, Just jumped in the car after work and drove to the Everglades for the weekend. The Everglades? There's a Naked and Afraid episode in the Everglades.
2: Backcountry stuff is the stuff where you're, you'd are you be, like, really worried because you're, like, hiking 20 miles and you can, you, you can only pack in the water and the food that you have on you. But I've never been in a situation where it's been like, I might die. Okay. Um, and I probably wouldn't put myself in that situation because I don't have the knowledge or the desire to test the knowledge <laughs> that I could actually make it out alive. So, yeah, like, I, I get... I, I get in there enough to feel like I'm I'm immersed in nature, but it's really just like a two-hour drive from civilization. So it's not like it's not that extreme. I feel.
0: Okay, so there's a place two hours away from civilization, Mm -hmm. amid the all these alligators roaming free.
2: I mean, I think they're cute. They're adorable, Um, but you know they are dangerous, and um, sometimes we. We take the fact that they're dangerous for granted. Like this one time at Everglades camp, uh, it wasn't a camp.
0: (laughs) (laughs) My parents just left me there.
2: (laughs) They were just like, good, goodbye. There were
0: no other children.
2: I was a a, a grown adult when I did this of my own free will. Like as I was getting into photography, there's this place called Shark Valley. And it is a paved road uh, that was once used for, I think it was like an oil company or something that was using the road to like test different parts of the land for like prospecting. And until it became part of the national park and then obviously all those, all those interests were kicked out. And uh, so it's now it's like a bike path. You can like ride it, it's like 14 miles, but there's like a little creek that runs alongside it. Uh, it's not really a creek because it's just still water from the glades but gators love to hang out there and they'll hang out on the edge of the water. And like people walk, gators are like a foot from them and no big deal, it's like normal. Um, So I would go out there with my camera and uh, take pictures and I would get down, I mean, I was always very conscious, like there's gators, you gotta watch out. Uh, I would like get down on the ground this one time and I was gonna take a shot with my like zoom lens of this gator that was in front of me, it was like, you know, perfect shot. And as I was doing that, Um, I was close to the water's edge, and this other gator just, like, kind of (laughs) breached, like, almost, like, popped out of the water and just, like, landed right in front of me, like, inches from my face, and just kind of, like, looked at me with, like, its eye and, like, like... I heard in my head It did not let out a sigh, but it was just like, it looked at me and it just like laid down and closed its eye and like went to sleep. And I was just like, oh my God. (laughs) And I like rolled to the side, got up and slowly walked away. But it was definitely one of those like, I mean, it probably wasn't hungry, but if it wanted to eat me, it totally could have like taken a chunk of my brain.
0: Yeah, you almost died.
2: Yeah, yeah, I almost died probably. But it it was, yeah, I didn't die. So Florida man, not yet. (laughs)
0: What did you learn from this experience?
2: Uh, Don't ever get down on your stomach next to a body of water where there's a lot of gators. I mean, I knew this before I did this, but I was like, what's the worst that could happen? And then, yeah, I was reminded. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, Uh, you're
0: not on my zombie apocalypse team anymore.
2: I'm sorry. (laughs) Oh, look, it's somebody bent over somebody else's lifeless body. They must be like totally cool and want to hang out. Let's go talk to them.
0: David, and frankly, nearly every extrovert is now off my zombie apocalypse team. David would never keep a zombie bite secret, but he ignores a lot of red flags. I realized for the first time that David is Florida man, and Florida man is not the right guide for me. At least he taught me that there's such a thing as backcountry camping, which means that there must be other kinds of camping that aren't as dangerous. Hale was too far removed from his outdoor experiences to help. But David, David camps a lot. One might even say too much for his own good. But he learns things the hard way. And that is not me. I'm going to keep wasting people's time like fucking Goldilocks until I find someone that's just right. I mean, it's only episode one. I have figured out way harder things than how to Google the outdoors. I once diffused a race riot in New Orleans by freestyling, okay? As my dad would say to me, you speak English. What's the goddamn holdup?
1: Could you tell our listeners what your name is? Oh, Danger Vaughn Kid. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) So,
0: yeah, I try to live up to my name. After she got married, she changed her entire name, first, middle, and last, to Danger Vaughn Kid. I know it doesn't seem right to go from someone who lays down with alligators to someone whose name is literally Danger, but Danger's my best friend. Our families share Netflix and Hulu accounts. Her parents came to America as refugees from Southeast Asia, just like mine. And in fact, Danger helped brainstorm the title for this very show. I'd forgotten she likes nature now until she told me she got reservations to go to Havasu Falls. You have to get your friends to all wait on their computers for Havasu Pai campground reservations to open every year, like my brother and I did for Tomorrowland. Being outdoors is a very new development in her life. She grew up pretty much like I did. On her annual visit to Texas, I tell her I got camping problems. So we go into my closet studio. You'll hear my baby's cries in the background as I neglect my children for your entertainment.
1: We we like to consider ourselves avid campers, but not really. I mean, we've we've gone camping several times, but I think we don't really have that, that title yet. But we went on a camping trip with a couple of friends, and we usually like to camp or hike along bodies of water like if if we're going like hike to the lake and camp at the lake or hike along a river or you know go hike and see a waterfall there's always a body of water there um, this one particular trail was about seven miles to a waterfall and halfway to the waterfall we decided to set up camp right by the river and we were um, with a another couple so we set up camp and this was it was bear season I think it was like. Um, Where were you? Tennessee. They have bears just over in Tennessee. Like uh, in in the mountains, when you get like higher up into the mountains, they, they do tell you like um like in the Blue Ridge, like there's there's like they like if you go to I've the rain been
0: there, nobody told me there's bears in the Blue Ridge Mountains. <laughs> just because I know the internet will question this, I was never camping in the Blue Ridge Mountains. I drove through the Blue Ridge Mountains while I was in Tennessee trying to get an illegal window tint for my car. I was ultimately unsuccessful, but I did get to visit the Tennessee Aquarium in Chattanooga while I was there. So I never saw any bears. And until now, I had thought bears were strictly a Canadian
1: problem. If you check in at the ranger station, they'll kind of show you where like bear territory is and they they tell you to be cautious, you know, if you're gonna decide to hike or camp there and make sure you have some um, bear mace with you. Um, But usually, uh, if you're not, you know, the bears know where humans kind of hang out and camp and they try to stay away, I think, for the most part. I don't know. At least what the rangers tell you, like you're safe in like a certain area. But if you cross this imaginary line, you may or may not be attacked by bears. Um, So we try to be (laughs) we try to kind of keep that in the back of our heads or, you know, there is wildlife like we just can never be too sure um anyways so we set up our camp and that evening we went to bed and all you can hear is is the rushing water and i was knocked out cold and so was alex and in the middle of the night i felt something pushing up against my tent no <laughs> and i'm panicked <laughs> I'm panicked, I'm totally like disoriented, you know, I'm sleeping in a different place because you're so used to sleeping on like your particular side of the bed. So like I hear the water, I don't know where I am, I don't know what's up, what's down, what's, you know, north and south and, and, you know, I'm panicked and I'm like moving around and Alex gets panicked and he's just like, he's pushing me and we're pushing each other. And then finally we calmed down and it wasn't someone pushing on the tent. It was Alex pushing me in his sleep and me pushing him in my sleep. So we just like (laughs) worked each other up because of, you know, we were so like bears in the back of our head and, you know, they might attack us at night. So anyways, that's, that's the story. We were totally safe besides, you know, all the snakes that we saw, but we were not attacked by bears.
0: I think what she was trying to tell me about camping was to get out of my head where the danger lives. The moral of Danger's story is to stop by the ranger station for safety information, that's good, I did not know ranger stations were a thing, but enjoy being by the water. Danger and I talked for a long time, but she never felt like she had to tell me how to survive because for her, camping is not at all about practicing survival skills for the zombie apocalypse. If anything, it's a romantic getaway. Like rom-com romantic, not action thriller romantic. So at least now, I kind of get why my search terms aren't working. No one's searching survival shop if they're researching for a camping trip because you'd have to be a masochist to go camping if that's what you think camping is. Who would do that? Let's try Texas camping ghetto. Oh my God, (laughs) it auto-populates. Oh my God, there are more results than searching for Tessa Thompson's lips. I just know that because that's another tab I've got open right now. The trick is to search online like you're someone who thinks camping is fun. It's not that people who go camping don't value their lives. It's just that they see the outdoors as another place to go, not the space between places to go. I need to search more like how I might plan a vacation. A getaway is not my perspective on the outdoors, but if danger can face the bears in her head and make it to sunrise, I can certainly face the coyotes and alligators in mine. Next time on FOGO, Fear of Going Outside.
1: Are the plants more likely to be dry? On the ground or in the air, I don't know. Up you don't, high, or right? I don't
0: really think I know that, right? <laughs> okay. Well, I'm making you think <laughs> about. I'm think, making you think about where to collect it from. Fogo: Fear of Going Outside is a Spotify SoundUp series and was workshopped as part of the Spotify SoundUp Podcast Accelerator Program. Fogo is written, hosted, and produced by me, Ivy Lee, and produced and edited by Mariah Gossett. Our theme song and original music were composed by Michelangelo Rodriguez. FOGO is Engineered and Mixed by Robin Edgar, with additional story editing by Aaron McGilber and Minda Wei, who also played the newscasters in this episode. Production support by Benjamin Grozes Eastrup. FOGO's Board of Advisors is Jeff Shao, Martin Thomas, and Reka Murthy. You can follow today's guests online. Links are in the show notes. From Spotify, our executive producers are Gina Delvac, Candice Manriquez-Ren, Andrea Zelenzi, Natalie Tulloch, and Jane Zimbald. Special thanks to Brian Marquis, Teal Cracky, Yasmina Fifi, and Shirley Ramos for production support. Listen to Fogo Fear of Going Outside for free on Spotify. You can follow me on Twitter at Ivy Lee with one E, the phrase all spelled out, or on Facebook and Instagram at Fogo Podcast. Go to fogopodcast.com for the newsletter and transcripts because accessibility slaps. I need to get amped up to leave this fucking closet somehow and it's so hot outside. I need to fucking leave this closet and record something. Okay, okay. At my desk. Just at my desk. But my desk is by a window. So, today steps were taken.